up on top, on her own, a human girl so far from home. The flowers are big and the bees are weird. It's dangerous, just like she feared. It's Kipo. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling, animation, and magical fantasy worlds with young girl protagonists finding their own and their family. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. That was really well said. (laughs) I mean, that seems like that's a lot of what we talk about these days, and I'm not complaining. I'm into it. But today, as Chris said, we're going to talk about the new show um, available on Netflix for its first season, Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts, uh, which is a DreamWorks show. It is. I think we're becoming like we're a DreamWorks TV podcast and a Disney movie podcast combined into one. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Modern animation business. That's how. <laughs> That's how. That's how. The it consolidation happened. of media into like three streaming services soon to be eight coming later 2020 oh my god no more (laughs) i'm trying to be better this is off topic for this episode but i'm trying to be better about like only subscribing to things while i'm watching things and canceling while i'm not watching them because there's so many great shows that i want to watch but i don't need to subscribe 12 months to watch a show for one month of the year that's smart you should probably make a spreadsheet. In January, we subscribe to Hulu. In February. <laughs> it's like a book club, but like a streaming TV club. <laughs> it's a new subscription to rotate your subscriptions automatically for you. Oh, my God. You just cracked it. You cracked it. <laughs> None of this will matter in the apocalypse. Uh, because we don't see Kipo watching any streaming TV in future Earth, but not that future. Well, let's let's talk through this. So Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beasts uh, is created by Radford Seacrest, adapted from his 2015 webcomic called Kipo. Um, and... I, I'd never really read the webcomic. I didn't know it was a webcomic, but it felt very... You know how you watch certain shows and you're like, this is an adaptation from something. Like, this is not a show. This is from somewhere else. Yeah. I don't know what that feeling is. Maybe it's because I do adaptations so much that I'm like, no, this is from somewhere else. This is coming from somewhere. I also felt that because it's a very distinctive style that it wouldn't assume is animation. And I'm Googling the webcomic down, looking at pages, looks almost exactly like the show. So, hey, that makes sense. Because <laughs> I think angles are, and this isn't a, like a bad thing, angles are easy for webcomics and things like that. But I mean, harder for animation. design and... Yeah, like just drawing in the layout, the character design, and getting a whole bunch of images done quickly. Like angles are good. Angles are your friend. You like angles because it's not trying to maintain the same curve between panels and make it look the same every time. Whereas in animation, angles are probably harder than curves. <laughs> They're less forgiving. Right. I would assume because it's not because squash and stretch doesn't quite work with 
angles as well. So I'm sure yeah. there's some sort of technical issues <laughs> with uh, the character design, which I enjoy so very much. I think I described it to you and my friends. Uh, I said, this show is like if the show Hilda and the movie Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse had a baby, you'd get Kipo. Yeah, and that's a very um, accurate way of describing it. <laughs> I think how I've been describing it is it's it's like that YouTube video that's always like a live stream of the lo-fi beats to study slash relax to. This is like the show version of that music stream. <sighs> but in a post-apocalyptic future. I said it's a version <laughs> of the music stream. There's only one interpretation of that sentence, and that's Kipo in the Age of Wonder Beast. I don't know why you're struggling with this, Chris. This is the, what that girl in that cover art for the YouTube video is thinking. It, well, she's listening to these lo-fi beats to study slash relax to. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm with you. <laughs> I, I made the jump. I made the leap. <sighs> My brain works in mysterious ways. So Kipo <laughs> takes place in a possible future version of our world? Yes, it's future L.A., I mean, I so I didn't just make that up. I kind of was watching the show. I was like, oh, this looks like L.A. And uh, I was reading some interviews, maybe with Radford, maybe with other people. I think it was Radford. Um, and he was saying that this concept came up by just walking around like Burbank and being like, what would this look like as a post-apocalyptic place to set things? Well, it starts off with that great shot of here's a city. You know, normal city, everyday city, and then it does a smash cut to here's that same image, but with trees growing out of the buildings and terrible things. So it immediately jumps hundreds of years from that moment, you know, just in a split second. And you're like, oh, okay, which answers the big question, hopefully, of this is our, this is the future. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I definitely got that. My disbelief is suspended because if I think about it too hard, I don't know that the timeline makes sense, but I like that they still have essentially contemporary clothing that you'd find in L.A. shores, like not degraded at all, however many hundreds of years in the future this is. I, but there's I, also giant mute rabbits yeah, those, the Mega Bunnies. The Mega Bunnies, yes, that's the name. Oh. Um, so my, my disbelief is suspended. I'm like, I don't care how this timeline works. I like the idea of it. I like the fashion. The whole thing is very stylized, from music to design to actually how it's animated. And it all fits together really well for me. Um, so disbelief is suspended. I don't care. I also appreciate it... Um, because of the characters themselves. So because of the the pureness of Kipo, who is a, a young teenager from a, we learn she's from a borough. <laughs> you know, most humans live in underground cities. 
Um, and the first episode of the show is called Burrow Girl, and which is Kipo. And her character is, and I, I hate when people use this word, so I'm going to use it and then expand on it. But she's so likable. Um, but I think it's because her reactions to things are so honest to her age and to a personality that goes beyond just um, what you would assume would be somebody in a post-apocalyptic future. Like you don't expect Kipo, you know, her personality to be the way it is in a post-apocalyptic future. Somebody who's wowed by things and amazed by things and who isn't jaded. It's, it's, I think, true to someone who isn't traumatized by that. They didn't mm. know something different before. The character, the characterization of Keeper reminds me a lot of Steven from Steven Universe, of just someone who has all these, to us, crazy fantasy things happening around them, but is just so grounded, like, I'm going to make everyone get along. We don't need to be worried about this stuff. It's totally good, and I'm just really enthralled by that, like, gregarious, optimistic protagonist like it's both their their strength and their flaw is that they're too nice yeah the optimism i think you hit that and and her niceness i maybe i just wasn't expecting that in um, 2020 but you have to i mean i'm this is like <laughs> galaxy brain like getting too far away <laughs> from <laughs> pop culture right now um but i love looking at american culture through the lens of like national trauma and like how we feel as i won't say we i don't want to say any uh, the the people who create things generally and like that culture and that community and i love looking back at like the early 2000s and seeing what happened mm, between 2001 and 2008 just culturally you can kind of track like the rise of punk rock and being angry and then suddenly we start getting into like pastel colors and things and i the last three years mm -hmm. for some reason no one knows why uh <laughs> you can see similar <laughs> i think cultural zeitgeist happening of um what's a good example lego movie 2 and some things around that were about like things are bad but we have to do our best anyway and that's all right mm -hmm. and just prior to three years ago everything was like everything is awesome nothing can ever go wrong and there was a lot of like this super colorful, super happy, super bouncy, like pop culture stuff. And then the last few years, it's been like, we can have that. It's not always like that. And we have to learn as a people to deal with that. And now I think we're getting to stuff like Kipo where it's less about directly referencing anything happening in real life and responding to real life events and more just about philosophies of how to live knowing that there's like this existential dread hmm. of climate change or any other of a million things and just what would life be like if we had to deal with those things in an everyday way instead of just dreading them does that make sense did i rant just now i i really loved it <laughs> <laughs> i really loved it it i think it it's very true. And as, as you were saying things like that, it's, I was just running through scenes in Kipo itself about 
this is a a very very in Kipo, <laughs> this is a very very divided world. Um, so it's it's amazingly divided. The humans are divided between people who are mm-hmm. down below in burrows and people who are on the surface. It's divided between um, humans and animals. And even within the animals, it's divided between people who, you know, animals who support humans and animals who don't, but also the animal groups, you know, cats versus snakes. And <laughs> which is a interesting dynamic there, but you know, there, there is harmony that could be had if people and animals and the different animal groups would learn to play together again. Yeah, I know you've said at some point that, um, like, the first few episodes are a lot about Keepa's ability to build those bridges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's, she's just this interesting character who people immediately trust and want to reach out to and help. Mm-hmm. And she immediately turns uh, Wolf, the first person she meets, into a very, oh, what's the word? Not repulsive, reconnaissant, reluctant, that's the word. <laughs> She's a very <laughs> um, reluctant guide and very reluctant um, companion to Kipo. Yes, I mean, I... I mean, obviously, Kipo's the main character, but I feel like Wolf is the stand-in for the audience in this show. In that Kipo is the opposite of what Wolf is in every way. They're foils to each other, but the most interesting growth, I think, not having finished the season so far. Um, <laughs> no spoilers for the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, I won't is, give you any. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I think the most interesting character arc is Wolf's of just going from essentially who... We all are, and if you took, if you boiled down like the the zeitgeist of American culture in 2019, 2020 into a single character, I feel like Wolf is the representation of what that is. Just apprehensive, fearful of people who may be genuine and just knowing that the only reliable way to get things done is to do it on your own. Mm-hmm. And we're slowly seeing Wolf having to see other ways of doing things and be integrated into groups and change that philosophy because that's who Wolf is who we all would be in the apocalypse, but we all want to be Kipo. Right. Wearing your wolf skin to show your strength, but also, I don't, how, how far are you? Have you seen um, Wolf's backstory? I don't think so. I've okay, made for episode six. Okay, then I won't say more than that. But um, <laughs> I can't. I can't finish that sentence for for people <laughs> who have, have not heard about Wolf's backstory. And I probably shouldn't talk too much about it. But it's interesting um, that she is the only character of the uh, main character group that's built in the first two episodes: Kipo, Wolf, Benson. Um, and Dave, who's a mutant, um, 
Oh, also, um, the pig. The pig. Uh, Mandu. Mandu. I was, I was going to say Mushu, and I knew that was wrong. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Mandu, yeah. Um, but Wolf is the only one of them who carries a weapon. You know, and she clings to that weapon. Um, and I know that Benson and Dave try to steal it at one point. And it becomes a major point of division between them. But it's she's the only character that that carries a weapon. Everyone else uses their uh, their smarts and um, lies and optimism to get them through. Yeah, we've so we've chatted a little bit about Keep on Wolfar's characters. Now let's talk more about Benson and Dave specifically. Yeah, because they go together. They're like they're. Two, two sides of the same coin. <laughs> two sides of the same weird mutant cocoon. Yes. Um, <laughs> A lot of layers. I like the the choices they made when mapping out who the main characters of the show would be and like choosing very different people, much like how they chose very different groups of animals who had different philosophies and ways of life, like the lumber cats and the punk rock snakes, <laughs> just interesting combinations. Um, and so Benson, I think it takes an entirely different philosophy from both keep on wolf, which is just have fun with it. I think. Mm-hmm. I think he strikes me uh, in the vein of, he goes back to the nineties for me in a lot of ways um, in terms of he's like the nineties hero. He's Aladdin in regular street clothes. Like that's, Mm. but um, if the 1990s version of Aladdin was actually a person of color. (laughs) Instead of what it was. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy that version of Aladdin. However, it is nice that the out of the four main characters in this show, they're they're all people of color. <laughs> That's a huge thing. Um, I think my wife was watching the second episode with me, and she's like, "I just love this." She's like, "I just love this so much." <laughs> she was just so excited about the fact that, like, looking at who's on the screen, she's like, "This mm-hmm. matters." So, yeah, I know we talked before along like 150 episodes ago about diversity in animation and the 2000s. I, I think lately it's been definitely much more diverse in animation, my general opinion. Um, but the 2000s were more diverse than like the early 2010s in terms of statistically who was on screen and who were people of color. Um, but they weren't as memorable and now i think it's we have a lot more people i think the the people making the shows are a lot more diverse as well so you have things that feel much more authentic than maybe shows that are more not authentic in their diversity if that makes sense it does make sense and i think that's what i was going to say is i think there's a difference between um, how do I put this? 
white creators making <laughs> making um, a cast of characters who are diverse and people of color creators making a cast of characters who are diverse. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like there would be certain things that I could make that would feel inauthentic um, in some ways. But, you know, um, I, I think it's, it's great that we're getting these stories and these characters. Yeah. The benefit of animation is you have dozens of people working on the show who are creating the show. It's not like when you or I read a play, it's just us. It's mm-hmm. just the playwright writing the play. Uh, and I think the animation model has a lot more benefit of having many diverse perspectives, having input on how it's made, how that's represented, who's in there. And everyone gets to put a little bit of creative footprint, footprint, creative fingerprint <laughs> on these characters. <laughs> so before when the, the show staffs were predominantly white 20 years ago, uh, and not that they can't be better now, but hey, we're making progress. Um, I don't think the intent was ever malicious. It's like people generally want to like, yes, we should have more diverse shows, obviously. How do we do that with only dozens of white people? <laughs> mm-hmm. You've got those kinds of shows. Sure. Like we're trying, but it's not where they, the energy should have been focused. We should have been mm-hmm. focused on getting more diverse people to create shows. Right. Into the creator roles, into the yeah. artistic roles. Um People having influence over the shows. And I think it it really shows because of, as you were saying, the memorable characterizations. Like Benson, I don't know that I've seen a character quite like Benson on screen personally. <laughs> like I don't know where um, I may have seen somebody like Benson on screen. He reminds me a lot of, like, the 2000s, like, sidekick nerd, usually, like, fat and really unconfident. But, like, the modern equivalent of that, Mm -hmm. of, like, it's cool to be a nerd. I'm just doing my own thing, and I'm weird, and I'm different, and that's okay. Right, and I'm hanging out with this grub. He's my best friend. (laughs) Yeah, a nerd. (laughs) He, He likes the music that I like. You know, we, we keep each other safe. We're good. You know, I'm like a parent figure, but also a brother, but also like his son in a weird way. Like it's a really complex relationship. Anytime Dave goes through the uh, cycles of life very quickly. <laughs> I, I know we discussed um, Harley Quinn a few weeks back or a few episodes back, but um, Dave reminds me so much. And I think it's just because of the characterization um, of, and I can never remember his plant, the, the plant's name. Frank? Frank, yeah, of Frank. I think it's just because Dave is allowed to be a truth teller in the same way that Frank is allowed to be a truth teller. Mm. Say more about that. I think Dave gets to comment on things and root for things that would sound out of place coming from Kipo, Wolf, and Benson. 
because he's not a human character, because he gets to fulfill the sidekick character for all of them. Mm. So he gets to be the the sidekick for all three of them and express things that um, normally uh, the funny sidekick would get to. But he gets to do it in a strong, like vocal way. Uh, as an example, there's a moment in the second episode, they're being chased by um, Jamak, the mod frog, which I want to talk about that group of people. Well, that group of characters in a moment. But they're being chased. They're going through Skyscraper Ridge. You know, they're zooming through. And Kipo says, like, you need to do some some thinking or, you know, you need to some. I, I can't remember the phrase that she uses, but like, oh, she says, you need to do some soul searching. And then she puts some of the mega bunny fur on Jamak and the mega bunny like grabs him and pulls him back. And Dave's like, oh, that was cold, Kipo. Like he gets to he, he has to he gets to comment on what we were all thinking because everyone in the audience is like oh man that was cold kipo and he gets to say it like he actually yeah, gets to say it he's like purely a survivalist which i really appreciate he like dave's values are number one survival the number two is friends but he's willing to let number two surpass number one many times because mm -hmm. he'll talk about like what to do with the like this 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 and dave says like leave her behind no okay I guess we'll do it with the group once. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's, yeah, when he's bargaining with the, with the dragonfly, like he says to leave her, we got to go. We got to keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll ask him. I'll ask. <laughs> Fine. He says he'll do it. <laughs> Which makes me wonder, did the dragonfly actually refuse or was that just Dave not translating correctly? It'd be like, Says he can't take her. That'll be the question for a future season to answer. Because <laughs> it could go either way for me and still work with his character. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's the wild card. He's a fun one. So because you're excited to talk about the mod frags and mod mm -hmm. frags, mod frogs, <laughs> and Jamak specifically, who... As someone on episode 6 of 10, I can tell that Jamak is going to be a recurring character of some kind. Yes. That's as far as I've made it on my journey with Jamak. Uh, <laughs> tell me about them. Um, Jamak, you can spoil me if you need to. No, I don't think I need to. Um, but Jamak and the Mod Frogs are basically uh, a continuation of the Meet the Robinson Frogs. Oh yeah, which I was wondering why they were familiar. It's like why do why do frogs in suits and ties feel right? Like well, like why do I not question this at all? And I think it's because of Meet the Robinsons for me. I'm not talking. I'm not saying about copying or anything like that. I'm just like, oh, frogs in suits. That's an excellent idea. It works. Um, I think it's mostly because frog legs are so thin. They look, they, they cut a really nice line in a suit, you know, and then they have the big heads. So like, but the rest of the body is really, really lean. It just is a nice dynamic and a nice, like 
contrast between head and cut in a suit. You've thought a lot about frogs in suits, I can tell. Uh, just now. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I don't do like like a lot of thinking about frogs in suits. But it's like smash cut to Chris in bed at night. <laughs> what about the frogs in suits feels right? Why does it feel so right to me? Um, but I, I just like this because they are a... the. You always think of gangsters in black suits and nice ties and looking really great. Like that's that's something that you get through like Tarantino movies, mob movies, 60s. I mean, they use the word mod frogs, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's grabbing from from that era. So spy movies. But but what were you going to say? I was just going to say, I'm, I'm glad that mods are back. It's a great way to like have visual shorthand for these are a gang of people that follow somebody without it being like thugs or a gang or like the Turtles Foot Clan or just like any other like biker punk rock stereotype thing you see in like every other show of like, these are the henchmen. Like, right. Yeah, nicely dressed henchmen. Okay, nice shorthand. Yeah. And I, I just think it's, it shows a certain authority and power that it would take to maintain a suit in a post-apocalyptic world. You know, um, Dramak has his office at the top of this tower with a great view, the waterfall coming through it, because he's a frog. He could be in water. Um, and... Wolf knows that the main thing that she needs to protect herself is a spot remover. <laughs> like that's that's going to be the best weapon against the mod frogs. You know, mm-hmm. that's a bargaining chip because we're going to mess up his suit and make sure that we can get away. I But I really like this. Um, I, I have questions about mustaches, but I mean, beyond that, <laughs> don't we all chris right i know a young a young 14 year old mackenzie had questions about mustaches too i just have (laughs) what i really like about them is in some ways they're like miyazaki characters yeah absolutely because and maybe it's the heads maybe it's just their heads that make me think that make me go there and the really long um, tongues and you know the almost infinite lengths that those tongues can go, but it feels magical at the same time. Like mm-hmm. I like there's something very Miyazaki about those frogs too, and especially when we get to the boss, um, uh, not not the big bad, but like the boss of the mod frogs, who's a woman with who feels like a Miyazaki character. Yeah. (laughs) Like she could be a witch in a castle. Who's also a mod frog. Right. (laughs) And I was just like, Oh, there's some, this makes sense, but it also feels different. And I, I really like that. It's a strong woman in a suit ready to like throw down as the main villain for the mod frogs. Like she's the boss of the mod frogs. Mm hmm. 
Hmm. But um, I I think for me, Jamak is powerful, ridiculous, <laughs> a joke, but also um, serious because there is a strange morality. I don't know if you've gotten to the observatory episode yet. Yeah, with the wolves. The wolves and turtlenecks, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they definitely, they, it's like almost as if the mod frogs are also samurai, like they have a code. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which reminds me of Tarantino and like the Kill Bill, uh, well, what are they, the something 88s or something? I can't remember. I'm oh, gonna, yeah. I'm a terrible Tarantino fan, apparently. That's fine. But yeah, I mean, you want if you're getting to know a henchman, you want to know if they stand for something. And crazy, there's a reason sorry, they the, believe. The crazy 88s. It's the crazy 88s. <laughs> sorry. Yes, you do want to make sure that they believe in something, that they have to follow something that then has to break later on. Because that's order. not just, it doesn't just make them interesting. It makes the villain more interesting. Like they are persuasive and can gather these people to follow them. Mm-hmm. It gives the villain more power when the yes. henchmen are believable. And it also sets it up for if they break with the villain, what does that do? Because then it makes it really, really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with somebody like Scarlaming out there. Who I don't yes. I don't know what to think about that character. It's a bold choice. <laughs> uh, and I don't mean that as a criticism. It's it's definitely it's a bold choice to the several choices made to make the Scarlet Bane appearing to be the main villain at this point um, memorable and unique. Like there's so many villains in the world. Could I name all of the I, I probably can't even tell you all the differences between like the villain of each Harry Potter book. I probably can't. Mm-hmm. Voldemort. Yeah. I could talk about Voldemort. Um, Coral. Yeah. Maybe end of list. Uh, and they make Scarlamine someone who is very memorable, both in just how he talks um, and behaves. And I think that it's interesting and compelling to see someone like, crazy and so devoted to like proper courtly like french courtly things in a post-apocalyptic la world (laughs) uh but just also the way that he like his whole plot as far as i can tell right now like he has pheromones but they only work on humans to make them obey him like oh there's a reason that you singularly are the villain because you have a special thing and here's your special threat to our main character. And it's also like weird and unique and your crazy character on top of that. Mm-hmm. And you're traumatized for some reason. <laughs> like there yeah. has to be some trauma for Scarlamane. Mm-hmm. And there are other mysteries that come out later on toward the end <sighs> of the season. Teaser. I know I'm not going to say too much for you and for the others who haven't finished the season, but it's like 
okay, I did not see that coming, and I don't know where they're going, but I'm excited to continue on. Mm -hmm. So based on what you've seen so far, what clues or what things are you starting to track and what else do you know about this world that you're like, I feel like these things are going to be important. I feel like this is going to come to a head or what are you noticing? What are you noticing? And, and as you dip your net into those waters, uh, it's been a minute since I've watched them. So I'm very much nibble watching this one, which is the opposite of binge watching. Mm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Where it's like you gave me ten episodes, but I only want one a week. Netflix. That's right. You back off. <laughs> You're not a pusher, Netflix. Uh, so I'm nibble watching, uh, which means information retention is lower. But I'm having prolonged fun. Um, so things that I think are important so far: six out of ten episodes in. Um, I think everything is going to converge somehow. Of like how the world and these humanoid animals got to how they are with whatever Kipo's dad is trying to do or like whatever sciencey underground things there are. That's going to come to head at some point and are probably related. Um, there's going to be something about space and the stars. Possibly a lot of the humans escaped would be my guess. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of like knowing the stars and the planets and that's usually put into like the intro of like a Christopher Nolan space movie. Like as a little girl, I was obsessed with knowing all the constellations flash forward 20 years. It's a good thing. I know all these constellations <laughs> and that flash forward. It's a good thing. I know hasn't happened for me yet with Kipo and all of her planet space knowledge stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been like little bits of like between her and her father, like the clues. Um, but I haven't, I think there's a bigger payoff coming. Um, it's the main bits of where I am. Okay. But yeah, there's definitely like a, it's laying the groundwork. And I think there are some shows Everyone plans for like a franchise or big sweeping adventure now that's very, um, what's they're looking for? Serialized. And so no one wants to have just one season. And so I think the fault of some shows is that they over plot and over plan. Like as much as I like Disenchantment, Disenchantment feels like a show, especially in the first season, where like they're trying to meticulously get all the stuff in early on to the degree that it's not as fun as mm-hmm. it could be. Right. Whereas this show is at least having fun. If they only got one season, which I extremely doubt based on the reviews and reaction, (laughs) um, it could be a fulfilling single season. But there's enough in there, Avatar The Last Airbender style, they can grab and build on later without it being seen as like a loose thread right now. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's... The big difference is... It's interesting that you bring up disenchantment for this because I was trying to put my finger on what I'm missing out of disenchantment. You know, what 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 is pulling? And I think that something, there are shows that 
will take you on a journey through a world and let you explore the world and let you explore the characters and you stick with the characters and what they're learning and what they're doing and what they're growing and it's them interacting with the world which is a lot of what we get with Kipo it's like we're going to go into this now we're dealing with um the the lumber cats and we're dealing with this world and this is a new thing that they're going to have to work out and figure out and the characters get to grow and now we're with the wolves and we get to figure that out you know and I like that the plot is moving forward into character beats as opposed to uh, feeling like we're hitting plot points. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as you were discussing, I'm like, yeah, disenchantment is, it does feel a lot like the uh, plot beats. It's like, well, we have to reveal this and then we have to reveal this. And it's not as much of the characters driving the plot or getting us there and revealing something. It's like, no, no, we have to reveal this plot point. So we're going to push the characters in this direction. And you're, you know, yeah, we have our chess pieces moving. Some shows have <clears throat> plot and character and other shows have story <laughs> where those two are joined. Um, and I can like both. Like I said, I love disenchantment. I like it a lot. I'm always looking forward to the next thing. Um, but there's ways that other shows like Kipo function at a different level than Disenchantment does. Mm -hmm. That from a story perspective, I find much more satisfying. I think there's other things in other shows like Disenchantment that might be more satisfying than Kipo, like complex adult humor, which is not an expectation I have of Kipo. Right. Cool. <laughs> so you could spend more time doing that in Disenchantment at the sacrifice of story. Whereas Kipo is like, oh, look at this story. I want to know more. Give it to me. I'm going to sing a, a, a rap like the wolves do about all the things that I know about Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts so far. <laughs> These are all the things that we know. Kipo <laughs> is a pink girl. Her dad loves space. <laughs> I just really... Um, <laughs> I'm just excited for... Well, two things. One... Here's an here's yet another show where uh, I can sit with all the members of my family, you know, me and my wife and my seven year old son, and we can enjoy a show that's about a fantasy world and it's um, interesting to everybody on for different reasons, on different levels. Like Jack really enjoys the characters and the humor um, and the wide range of physical comedy and silliness and it's yeah it feels like a version of harley quinn that he could watch um <laughs> and yeah that's fair <laughs> he in a very good way um and then but also i i'm personally enjoying this new i don't think it's a genre but i i like this new thing of a a a young girl protagonist who is optimistic, but also has her own issues, um, but is thrown into a world of difference. Um, there are four shows that are doing that right now. There's one um, where the main character is not um, a person of color, and there are three where the where it is um, where they are characters of color. 
Um, one is Hilda. Mm-hmm. One is Kipo. Um, then the other is Amphibia. And then we have the Owl House. Mm-hmm. And they're, I just like that this is something that's happening. And I also appreciate how Hilda's strange world is a city. Like yes. <laughs> yeah, they're all they're all different and unique takes, and they kind of take the formula of, I mean, historically, like young boy protagonist gets drawn into crazy fantasy world, and there are sidekicks, mm-hmm. and they all do something different and interesting with that. And it's not just that they're doing something interesting with the main character, they're also doing something interesting with the side characters too. Like the side characters are just as interesting. They're not just sidekicks, they're side characters that have their own things about them. Like Benson, I I love where Benson ends up and I love Hmm. that relationship that um, Benson and Kipo have later on. And I like Wolf herself, I don't know which episode it is. I can't remember which episode it's in. I think it's, I, I think it's eight for you. So, but where we learn more about Wolf, it's it's devastatingly gorgeous. Hmm. Um, so I just, it just goes to show that they're right now they're not throwaway jokes like. The characters are interesting and have their own journeys and their own things about them. So I I just really, really appreciate that. I'm excited to learn more. (laughs) So is there anything else you wanted to say through this? We covered what we wanted to talk about in terms of Kipo, just for people to watch it. Like, yeah, I don't think I have anything else groundbreaking to share with where I am right now. Uh, it's definitely a show I want to see the full first season. Some shows you know like right away if you like or not. Um, I definitely like a lot of what Kipo's doing, and I want to see the full first chapter of it. Mm-hmm. I think and I'm nibble watching, but that doesn't mean I'm not excited. <laughs> I'm just pacing myself like a good like a go get a nice bar of chocolate. You spend a lot of money on it. You don't want to eat that all in one sitting. Yeah, I ate it all in one sitting. I I was sick one day. uh, I had a 102 fever and stayed home from work. And um, the next day I was feeling slightly better, but not better enough. And I just was like, I've been meaning to watch this show. And then by that evening, I'd watched everything. I'm like, just... Yep, just yes, I am still here, Netflix. I am still here. I am still watching. Just keep playing this. Yep. <laughs> I didn't eat anything, but I did watch. I did consume all of Kipo. <laughs> Binge that. Check. <laughs> Thumbs uh, up, Netflix. Show I, me more. I feel nourished in my soul. <laughs> well, do you have any favorite things from the first season? Uh, I do. There were lots of little things that I enjoyed. I think the thing that really got me, the one moment that made me laugh um, the most and surprised me the most because I 
it's such a surprising undercut of expectations. And you know how much I love expectations being undercut. Um, there's a moment where uh, Kipo and Wolf are going to save Benson and Dave from the Mod Frogs. And they're, they're setting up for this battle and the music changes and the mod frogs jump and Kipo and Wolf jump and they're going to save them. And it's really extended anime style jumping at each other. And then it just does a hard cut to Kipo and Wolf being thrown in the backseat captured. <laughs> like, like, yeah, they did not win that fight. They're just, they, they've been captured. Yeah. Because it, it tells you a lot about the mod frogs and it also tells you that no, these are not easily defeated villains. Like they're gonna have to try harder. Yeah. It's a nice I agree with everything you said. Yes. <laughs> How about for you? My favorite thing I already mentioned is just the the wolf rap, because they kind of build up it's similar to undercutting expectations. Like they're having dinner with the wolf, so like, and now we feast. On all the knowledge that we've learned. They like bust into the rap about here's everything we've learned about existence. <laughs> like we have some time. Go, go, go. Uh, yeah. That, it's just so silly. I was like, I don't know where this is going, but I'm, <laughs> I can't turn away. Like this is amazing. Like every night you give the same rap about everything you've learned. And hopefully you've added a little more to it every day. Nerds. <laughs> I want to be one of you. <laughs> How do I get invited to this party? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> awesome. Well, shall we talk homework time? Let's. For next time, uh, in theaters, go see the film Onward, Pixar's newest entry into the theatrical scene into movie theaters into movie theaters yes um speaking of characters going into fantasy environments yes theme yeah uh so see onward or don't and just uh don't listen to our next episode until you see onward because you're going to you listen to this podcast we know or listen to the first part where we don't put spoilers in and then you could decide whether you want to go see it i mean that's fair i hope you know already but if you don't you can listen to us convince you. <laughs> As always, we want to say thank you to Nigel Coutinho, our sound engineer, and thank you to Jacob Reed for our theme music. You can find our show notes and uh, more on radiosgetanimated.podbean.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at WGAnimated. And I, I don't know what we would rap about storytelling and animation, but... There are three kinds of cliffhangers. <laughs> Oh, good night, everybody.